Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. How many are hungry for the Word of God? How many are hungry for God to do something in your life, amen? Don't you ever just get tired of going through life and just, you know, you're just at a steady pace and, and sometimes you just feel like you need a, a dose of something, amen? God, give me a dose of the Holy Ghost. And so tonight I hope we can, we can uh, bring that to you. I want to minister for just a few minutes. The title of my message is Walking in Victory. You know, many times we see Christians, they're walking with God, they come to church, uh, they're participating, they're involved in the things of God, but, but, you know, they're walking, but they're just barely walking. Amen? It's like we're here, but we're really not here. And so I want to encourage you a little bit tonight that we need to walk in victory. Glory to God. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I'm going to go a little fast tonight because I promised my daughter Joelle that I will, I will use every scripture that I gave her. Amen? And she's going to kill me tonight if I don't use them all. So let's see what God does. Amen? Listen, Joelle, God's in charge, okay? It's not me. Hallelujah. 2 Peter 1.3, it says, As his divine power has given to, all, given to us all things that pertain to life and goodness. How many want life and goodness? Amen. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Hallelujah. Now let's jump over to James chapter 1, verse 4. If you don't have your Bibles tonight, if you do, you, I'll give you a second to get there, but it's on the screen here. It says, but let patience have its perfect work. How many know that when, we don't, when we're not patient and we jump ahead of God, things don't always work out the way we want them to work out? And here it says, but, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, when we go ahead of God and we, we do things on our own and, you know, we jump ahead because we're impatient people, every single one of us, my hands are up first, amen, I'm very impatient, but God is working with me, amen. And I ask God every day for patience and I know without a doubt that my wife is always asking God to give me patience. Not her, but me, amen? Because I'm one that likes to get out there and just make it happen, and whatever happens, happens. I'll just face the consequence when I'm done. But, you know, that's not what the Bible talks about. We need to be able to trust God. It says uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if you want to add right before nothing, absolutely nothing. Amen? We will lack absolutely nothing. See, Jesus said this. He said, he who endures to the end will be saved in Matthew chapter 10, 22. I don't have that one there, but that's what it says. Matter of fact, I like that translation, that scripture so much. Uh, it's in Matthew 10, 22. I'm just going to read it for the sake here. Uh, but it says, you will be hated by all because of my name. You see, sometimes we try to overthink things, and, and we're worried about what people are going to think about us. But if we would just read this scripture and understand what it says here, he says, you will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Glory to God. You know, this is a very powerful scripture. So we know automatically when you say the name of Jesus, they're going to fly. They're going to leave like cockroaches leave when you turn on the lights. Amen? We all have cockroaches. Everybody has them. Here in Texas, you go outside in the middle of the night, they're all over the place. 
So don't look at me like I'm crazy or I'm dirty, amen, because I'm not. We don't like cockroaches just like you. But when you mention the name of God, I remember you, when I used to play basketball a lot, uh, I would go out there and we'd begin to preach to these guys. And, man, I'll tell you what, they can talk any way they want to talk and live any way they want to live on that basketball court. But the moment that you mention the name of Jesus, uh, they flee. They, they, they take off. They can't handle the name of Jesus, amen? Sinners cannot handle it. And Jesus said, he said, he who endures to the end will be saved. You and I as Christians were told that we must be overcomers, that we must overcome and remain and, and, and endure. So we know for a fact as a Christian that quitting is not an option if, if you want to make heaven your home. We know that we're going to go through some trials. We're going to go through some hard times in life, but we understand it, and we know that if we want to make heaven our home, we cannot quit. We cannot throw in the towel. We have to suffer the losses. We have to suffer getting knocked out. Sometimes we have to fight through all the way until the, ring, until the bell rings at the end of the fight. Because we know that we cannot quit, amen? We know that we have to be overcomers and that, you know, we cannot go back to the world just because, or just like, you know, we know that Israel, you know, could not go back to Egypt. We can't go back to the world. We will be destroyed. We will be eaten up and taken apart. We cannot go back to the world. So we need to say, for some people, when the going gets tough, many Christians... They hit the road. You ever seen that in, your, in, in church here? You ever seen it in your walk where, you know, something gets tough and something happens? Uh, you know, I love the simple fact that uh, I was doing some studies this week and I was sharing with uh, Pastor Jesse and Elena last night. Uh, that sounds so wonderful to say. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But I was talking with them last night. We ended up, they were eating at a restaurant, Taco Tuesday over at Rosa's, and, and we saw them. We ended up sitting together and talking, and I was beginning to share the story of Peter. And I thought about Peter because, you know, so many of us in our lives, we made so many mistakes in our walk with God that sometimes we feel like throwing in the towel. Sometimes, I mean, I don't feel like throwing in the towel, but we feel like a failure. We feel like we've failed God. But, you know, God already knows. Jesus knew that we were going to fail him. His love is so much and so strong for us. He knew that we were going to fail him. He understood it. Well, he told Peter, you will deny me. Three times, and I was telling Pastor Jesse last night, I said, you know, he didn't just, Peter didn't just deny Jesus the first time. You know, the first time it was just he denied, no, I don't know who he is. Second time, here he is, he's asked the question again, and this time, you know, it's pretty violent. He's like, no, I do not know him. And he almost like made a, made a vow, a plea, like putting your hand on the Bible saying, you know, I, I, I promise you I do not know who he is. And then the very third time, we know the story is Peter was saying that he got violent. He was, he was upset. He was vulgar with his words saying, no, I don't know who he is. But, you know, we have all failed and fallen short of, of God's glory. We've all made mistakes, but at the very end of everything, Peter was still following Jesus, and Jesus knew he was following him. This is after Jesus was crowned, and, and he was beaten and pushed around and beat up. <laughs> But here Peter's still following Jesus, but now he's following him from afar. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we're following Jesus, but we're following him from afar. And, you know, we see him over there, and it's like we don't want to get out of distance from God. And we see him over there in his presence, but sometimes we're afraid to get close to his presence. 
And God is saying to us, no matter what you've done tonight, no matter where you've been or what you've done in your life, that there's mercy. There's, there's, God's grace is sufficient for you and for me. And he has a promise for us to fulfill in our lives. Amen. So quitting is not an option. We cannot go back to this place of the world that we came from where God saved us from. Hallelujah. You see there, are worn down mentally. We get beat up, so much going on in life, and we're tormented in our minds. Just because we get saved, it doesn't mean that we won't have to face these battles that we go through in life. You know, a lot of Christians think, well, I'm just going to just, uh, you know, get my Jesus card and everything's going to be all right. I run into a problem, I got Jesus. No, it's not that easy. You have to have Jesus on the outside, not just on the inside. You know, it's easy to reach in and find your Jesus card, but what happens uh, when you forget your Jesus card on the, on the dresser in the morning? What happens when the cross isn't hanging on the necklace anymore because it fell off and you lost it? Now you don't have that physical evidence of, you know, I am somebody, I believe in God at least, amen? But we have to know how to fight. We have to be able to wear this, and, and, and it has to be evident in our life that no matter what crisis comes our way, that we are going to be overcomers through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because it is him who strengthens us. Glory to God. Jesus said when we have the patience, it will in turn equip us with what we need to finish the race. But not just finish the race, but finish the race victoriously. To finish on top, no matter if we were first, second, or third, or last place, hallelujah. But I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, glory to God. And we have to get that mentality in our spirit, and we have to live that way for God. You see, you say, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a leader, I'm not this, I'm not that. No, well, you know what, you know what makes you all that uh, is when you go into that prayer room and you get a hold of God and you say, Lord, uh, Lord, I have failed you today. God, I feel about this big, oh God, uh, can you redeem me, Lord? He says, that good and faithful servant of mine. He says, I got good things for you. Hallelujah. He says, I will get you through no matter what trial, no matter what circumstance, no matter what problem you're going through in your life. I'm going to get you through it because you have turned to me. Hallelujah. You see, that's why pastor always says, hey, let's get to that prayer room. It's not, it's not a heavy hand or a finger in your face saying get to the prayer room, even though because of our, our nature or because of our attitude at the time, or the rebellion in our heart at that time, it might seem like it's disciplinarian, but it's not. It's saying, listen, if God is going to do something in your life, uh, you have to prepare yourself, uh, and you have to be willing to be in the place uh, where God can use you. Hallelujah. I get tired sometimes of hearing so many people, you know, not in this church, everybody's perfect here, but in other churches, you know, I, I get a chance to talk to other people in other churches of our fellowship. And, you know, they're telling me their stories. I know a guy that got healed. Uh, God healed him. He had COVID really bad, and, and his body was deteriorating, and he was supposed to die, sat in the front row of the church. And you know what? He came desperately every single service until God healed him. And then he left. I mean, can you fathom that? Can you understand that? I can't understand. And then we wonder, you know, how could those men and women crucify Jesus the way they did? Uh, I think we ought to look at it a little bit different. We are crucifying Jesus every time that we turn our back on him. We are crucifying him. Not them, uh, not they, but us. We did it. We are doing it. 
And God wants us to be equipped so that we can fight. Uh, and, and James said, uh, well, you know, when we have patience, it will in turn equip us uh, to finish this race and be victorious in this race. Hallelujah. James 1 and 2 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, how in the world am I going to count it a joy when I'm falling into a trial? With my own understanding, I can't understand that. You can't understand that. How am I going to be happy when I'm going through a trial in my life? But here he says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work uh, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking absolutely nothing. Glory to God. That means that he has complete control of your life. Amen. So what is patience? You know, I like to just break it down like this. Patience is very simple. It's more accurately translated. It would be this, steadfastness. Amen? Steadfastness. It's, 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 a, it's a powerful word or, or perseverance, uh, unswerving, consistency. Where no matter what's going on in your life, you're patient, you understand uh, that you're going to go through it. I look at somebody like, like David Guzman. I'm, I'm sorry to call you out like this, but you know what? When I look at him, I look at a man who's patient. I really see that. I see, you know, no matter what you're going through, I mean, you know, the log could fall over in the fire, and David just walks over and just, you know, uses a stick and just picks it right up. Everybody else is, ah, fire. My jacket's going to burn. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to die. And he's over there just picking up the log and putting it back in the fire. Steadfast. Understanding. Knowing that you're going to go through the trial and that you're going to suffer just a little bit. Hallelujah. Sometimes some of us, because we're so hard-headed, we suffer more than just a little bit. But see, that's God's plan in changing us. And you say, well, how can you say that, Pastor? Well, because he's done that to me. You see, you may have graduated from the university, but I graduated from the University of Hard Knocks, as Pastor said a few weeks ago. That's where I come from. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I saw a picture of my mom and dad's house. We were there fellowship, and I, I saw a picture of me. I was about 10 years old. It was on the wall, and I looked at it. I was 10 years old. I was in a suit jacket and a tie. Never had a suit jacket or tie in my entire life. I promise you that. I had a haircut. My hair was cut, even though they say it was long still. And I look up, and the man that was, was preaching, it was actually the wedding. My mom and dad were getting married. And Pastor Jones was in the picture. I sent that picture to him today and showed it to him. I said, man, God has done amazing things in my life. To look all the way back and to remember all those days where a, a, a picture can remind you of where you have been and what God has brought you through. You know, we need to learn to be patient, be understanding. Uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 19, he said, be oh, by your patience. He says, possess your souls. You know, and I read that scripture and I was trying to figure it out. I'm thinking, what in the world does that mean? What does it mean by your patience possess your souls? And I got to thinking about that, possess your souls, you shall preserve your souls. There's another translation, I want to read this to you, it's the New American Standard Version. It says, in your patience, ye shall win your souls. In patience. Do you ever get to a point in life where you want somebody in your family to be saved and, and you just keep going and going and going? You don't listen to God when he says, stop, I'm, I'm dealing with them, I'm working with them. You just want them to be saved and you just keep going and going and going and they disappear for a long time. 
Then there's another translation. The Amplified Bible says, by your steadfastness, steadfastness and patient endurance, you shall win the true life of your souls. This is talking about your own soul. This is, this is talking about you and I being saved by God's grace, by God saying, you know what, you've been patient, you've endured, you've been steadfast, and, and now I'm going to save your soul. Hallelujah. How many would love for God to save your soul? Amen. This is more than salvation. This is more than just believing in God, but he got you through it. Hallelujah. You got to the end of the race, and you're victorious because he said so, not because we said so. Amen. And then there's the NIV that sometimes we spit out, but it says, by standing firm, you will save yourselves. It's just a different understanding. Now, of course, that is through God. Amen. So when Jesus said that we would possess our, he would possess our, we would possess, I'm sorry, we would possess our souls, he meant that he would make it to, to the very end. You would make it to the very end. He says, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. No matter what you go through, if you keep your eyes focused on the prize, glory to God, you'll make heaven your home. Hallelujah. You see, the perfect work of patience in James 1.4 says the work of patience is that way that you and I, that we may be perfect. Did you catch that in that scripture? That we may be perfect. That means mature. A person is perfect when he is full grown and fit for the task that he, is, that he was sent into the world by God to do. Isn't that amazing? When God sends us to do something, we will fulfill the task uh, and we will fit uh, the task that he has called us to fulfill. And then the word complete. So it's perfect, then it's complete. It's a wholeness, fully developed. Glory to God. We want to be fully developed in the things of God. Amen. We want to be whole. We want to be strong in the things of God. This word spoke of the condition of an acceptable animal which was to be sacrificed to the Lord. This is what it was talking about. And then number three, lacking absolutely nothing. I threw that word absolutely in there. Because I think God wants us to lack absolutely nothing in our lives. Amen. He wants us to have his blessing. He wants us to have his calling for our life. Amen. Not our calling, but his. Our calling can be our calling, but it has to line up with his will for us. So lacking nothing, the word is used to describe an army that is fully equipped to be victorious. You don't just send an army out there and, and you know, hey, you got three or four pistols and there's 27 guys out there. You guys take turns and, and defend our country and I want you to fight and protect this border and, and no one can come in but you only get three guns to do it. That's called being in inadequate. You're not prepared. You're not ready. You cannot face the power. Now listen, there's something when it comes to the power of God, three guns will do it. Hallelujah. You can go with no guns in God. Hallelujah. Amen. So the type of patience that the Bible is speaking of is the quality in us that says, I will not quit. I'm not going to quit, God. I'm going through this. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm in trials. Uh, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you, you know, I love Pastor Portnova's testimony when he got up there and he spoke. He said, the first six months that I served God, I smoked marijuana. You know, and that doesn't give us a license to go out and do that, okay? Well, I've only been saved five months and three days. Okay, no, you do not smoke marijuana. We got to give it up, amen? When you get saved, God delivers you. He sets you free. He breaks the bondage of sin in our lives. Hallelujah. 
But, you know, when he gets up and he testifies that in a pastor's conference, he's been a pastor in our fellowship for, well, more than 35 years, 30 years, and, 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 and he gets up and tells his testimony, and people are like, I saw Pastor Portnova when he had the beard. I watched him walk into the church with the short, with the short shorts on. They were short shorts. He wasn't lying when he said it the way he said it either. He had the sandals on, no socks. I mean, this man was as hairy as a beast out in the woods, I'm telling you. And our mamas didn't even have sense enough to tell us to stay away from people like that back then. Everybody was a nice guy back then. Why? Because they were still smoking dope. They were in their mood. They were like, oh, praise the Lord. These were the hippie days, amen. We're not living in the hippie days anymore. We're not smoking dope. We're not bound by the things of this world. We're not popping pills just to get joy in our life anymore. Listen, anybody can go out and do it. Anybody can say, I'm going to go and live like the devil. But it takes a great man or woman of God to say, you know what, I'm going to put this down and I'm not going to do it again because God, he's going to give me power. He's going to give me might. He's going to give me strength. He's going to walk in me, glory to God. He's going to be evident in my life. See, this is what God has called us to be. This is what God has stirred us up to be so that, our, you know, that we can have this power and, and we would not quit in life. <laughs> And I like to say it over and over, I will not quit. I will not quit. What, what's that devil? No, I'm not going to quit. Sometimes you just have to talk like a crazy person, like I love to say. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I cannot quit. Not just I won't quit, but I cannot quit. I can't go back to where I came from because I was a mess. And my Bible says that if I go back to it, it's going to be worse than it was when I came out of it. And I don't want that, amen. I don't want that in my life. William Barclay, he said this, it's not the patience that passively endures. Instead, it is the quality that enables a man to stand on his feet facing the storm. Amen? That means when the storm is hitting you and it's knocking you off balance and you're, you're in a place of, of torment and you're in a place of, of wavering and you're in a place of being pushed around, that means that you have to stand firm in the things of God. This is the strength that God will give you, hallelujah, so that as the storm is attacking you, you can overcome it by the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. How many know and how many can agree that prayer works? I mean, we're looking out here, and I mean, we're seeing lives that have been changed through prayer. You know, Pastor Blake gets up here sometimes, and he doesn't, uh, you know, talk about the sins that he was involved in, but, you know, he makes it sound like, you know, he wasn't so, so bad. But those of us that know him, we know that there are some sides of him that, that he wishes he had never had gone through in his life. But because of that praying mama, I'm not even going to give daddy any credit right now, but I'm going to say mama because of that praying mama. And the words of positive words of encouragement that she spoke into that man's life is why he is who he is today. And it wasn't just you're my son, I love you, but it was I see you standing before the multitudes of people ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in his, in his life at the time, he couldn't understand that. What are you talking about? She said the word multitudes, and he's thinking 100,000 people in the crowd cheering for that last second jump shot that came from the corner. I mean, it's honest. It's true. That's what we think. 
but it was because of those prayers of that mama that got on that phone and said, honey, I want you to know that God is not done with you yet. And you might think you're hiding from him. And I don't know any of these stories. I don't know what's going on in that, but I just know how it works because my mama's prophesied over me. Never thought I would ever be who I am today. Look at Pastor Dwayne and Myra. Never even imagined that God was going to do what they're doing in their life to them right now. And guess what? God will never do it your way. He's not going to let you be that comfortable. He's going to say, I'm going to get you at a place in your life where you're just not going to understand it very much, but it's going to happen. Glory to God. He said, and my will will be done in that city. He said, I will save those souls in that city. He says, I will bring them forth unto you. I will pour out my spirit upon your church. Glory to God. And, and you say, yes, sir, God. Yes, sir, God. It's going to happen. I believe it. You mean God, he's going to use me to do that? You better believe he's going to. God will do it, amen. God will show you. He will make a way. Hebrews 6.11, it says, and we desire that each of you, each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who throughout faith and patience inherit the promises. Matthew 24, 13 says, but he who endures to the end, oh, shall be, let's say it again, shall be, hallelujah, he who endures to the end shall be saved. You say, I can't live in this wicked world anymore. Well, guess what? You got to make it to the end. You will be saved from it. Glory to God. You will be delivered from it. I know that God, he has a plan for all of us. Amen. You see, I heard Pastor Paul one day say, many years ago, he said this. He said, we have more starters than we do finishers. We have more starters in the kingdom of God than we do have finishers. That's why it makes Pastor and I so proud to see families like Frankie in your precious family, serving God in the house of the Lord, not just coming to church, but accepting the call of God to stand before the congregation and minister. Do you understand the challenge that God gives us to be able to stand before the congregation and minister, whether it's song, prayer, whether it's exalting him in front of the congregation? Listen, we have to be right with God. Watch me when I'm up here. Watch pastor when he's up here. We go up, we get saved before we come up here. <laughs> I'm not sure about him, but especially me. I pray a double prayer. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Every little ones, big ones, God. Every sin, God. Not that I'm just a great big sinner or anything, but, but you know what? We all have a mind. We all let the devil torment us in one way or the other. And yes, I will admit it. I'm, I'm a little ornery at times. Hallelujah. But God's still working on me. Because in the end, I'm going to win. When I'm finished with this wonderful race that I'm in, glory to God, I'm going to be victorious. Hallelujah. And he says, you will be saved. Hallelujah. I'll be delivered from it. Amen. Hebrews 10.35 says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have no need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. 37, for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And verse 39 says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition. 
Amen? It says, but of, all, uh, but of those who believe uh, to, the, to, to the saving of, of the soul. Praise God. You see, this is a powerful scripture. See, the Christian world today is full of quitters. It's full of people that are just willing to throw in the towel. How many, be honest, you know somebody like that. They're just so willing to throw it in. If you don't believe it, you just uh, look at your friend's Facebook page on Saturday night. Guess where they're at? Some of them are at the nightclub, and they'll be in church on Sunday morning. And I know there's nobody like that in this church. Nobody would ever do that. But it happens in the kingdom of God. Amen? You see, people backslide by resisting the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit? He will encourage, he will, he, God will, he will, he will uh, convict you by the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit will begin to work on you. I, I'll tell you what, my mom used to tell her friend uh, on Saturday night, she wanted to go out and dance. She says, I'm not going to drink. I, I just want to go in there and I just want to dance a little bit and have a little bit of fun. And my mom, from the very morning, uh, she would be vexed at her spirit. Uh, she was constantly dealing with this woman and, and, and saying to this woman, you know, if you go there, you're going to backslide and the devil's going to get a hand on you. Uh, and, and before you knew it, my mom just had to realize that she had to put this woman woman in the hands of God. And this little lady's name, her name is Rosa, and one of my mom's best friends in the entire world, lives in Phoenix, Arizona, now came to our church when we were in Phoenix. She is still saved and serving God because the Holy Spirit did the work in her life. It's not you. It's not me. It's God's word. It's his conviction. It's his power. It's his authority in us. Hallelujah. And the boldness he gives us to minister and to speak uh, to other people. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. It's a powerful scripture. It says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised, uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. You see, there's an old saying that goes like this. God loves us so much. He will accept us just the way that we are. But he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves you too much to leave you that way. You see, God's love is sufficient. His love is amazing. See, the Lord will always be working in our lives. He's changing us from glory to glory. But sadly, there are many habits and worldliness and sin and things in our lives. Uh, God deals with us and changes us for our own benefit. And it is insane to think that we are better off if, we, if he would just leave us alone. And a lot of people think that way. You know, if my brother would just stop telling me about God, I would understand it. You know, my brother, the moment I let go of my brother and stopped preaching to him, it was the craziest thing in the world. But one day, my, you know, my brother, he's, he's gone to be with Jesus now, so I can talk about him. My brother owed me a lot of money because we helped him start a business. And, and uh, you know, my wife was a little bit upset with me because I did not ask her. Hello. I hope you caught that. I did not ask my mom, my, my mom, my wife, my mommy, if I could lend my brother some money. I pretty much went to my wife and told her what I was going to do. And it was $25,000 worth of, worth of equipment. It, back then it was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money today. And I gave him $25,000. I said, you go out and buy all your equipment. And he, was, he had a lawn maintenance business. It was called Miguel's Maintenance. I mean, this kid had a heart to work. He was the only guy besides Michael McCool that I've ever known that can chop down a tree with a hammer. 
with the claws of a hammer. Amen. My brother tore that tree down. I'm telling you what, he, half, he was half dead when he was done. But that man, he was so bound by that debt that he had with us. My wife was vexed in her mind because of what I had done to him and done to us. And one day out of the blue, we'd, we'd let my brother go because my brother was suffering. He was, we'd come home and he'd be laying in the bed and he wouldn't, didn't want to work. He was doing nothing. And all of a sudden, the devil had control of his life. And, and, and we just quit preaching to him because he wanted to borrow money for this and borrow money for that. And, and you know, I was so ignorant back then that I, I, I worked in a distributing company I, I, with our business. We did work and I traded out. And the guy sometimes couldn't pay, so he would just load the back of my truck up with beer. You know, I'm telling on myself here, okay? Kind of like Pastor Portnova. I was just young, coming back to the Lord, and I was, I was just dumb and ignorant. And the guys would fill up the back of my truck, and I would take it and give it to my brother. And, man, I'll tell you what, there was my wife again. Standing at the door, you're going to go to hell with him. Telling me straight up. And, you know, I was one of those rebellious punk young men uh, that was sitting in the back of the church with tobacco on my lip thinking I was a cool cat. And God was dealing with me, and he was knocking me down and beat me up. Uh, and I was too hard-headed to even realize it. But thank God for a good wife who will speak into your life and tell you, hey, dummy, it's time to wake up. And at that time in my brother's life, I quit giving him the beer. I got convicted. It wasn't just my wife convicted me, but God began to convict me. And I stopped bringing beer to him from the distributing company. And, I, you know, I just had favor with all these people. I thought, oh, I was the greatest. I'm able to bless and give and help. And it didn't happen that way. My brother's life is declining, and I'm, we're watching this happen. And one day out of the blue, we hear a knock at the door. And we lived with Pastor Jones and Marie. We lived down in their basement. We had just moved, and I don't know where, what happened, but we were staying there for just uh, not too much time. I don't, I don't know, it doesn't matter. We were staying there, and we heard a knock at the door, and it was my brother. She was in the bedroom, and I was out sitting on the couch, and my brother walks in, and he says, is Deonza here? I said, yeah, she is. She's in the bedroom. He says, can I just talk to you for a moment? He said, I know that I'm not living my life right. He said, I know you're not pleased, and he said, I know God's not pleased, and she comes out of the room, and he says, I want you both to know that I love God with all my heart. He said, I want you to know that. He said, I know I'm, I'm not living right. I got sin in my life, and there's things happening to me. I don't understand it. He says, but I want you to know that I love God, and I know that I'm not living my life right for God, but I want you to know that I'm going to get my life right with God, and he's changing me, and it's going to happen, and I know it's going to happen. And before you could even blink an eye, my wife stands up, and she says, you know what, Mike? She says, I don't know why I'm doing this, because I've been holding on to this grudge for a long time. She says, but I want to forgive you of the debt that you owe us. She says, you don't owe us a dime. He goes, no, 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 I'm going to pay you. I promise. I don't want you to think bad of me. I'm going to pay you. She says, no, I'm forgiving you of that debt. It's forgiven. You don't owe it. And my brother was not a man that would cry. My brother teared up in his eyes, and it was time for him to leave. He left. And little did we know, in two weeks, he went on to be with the Lord. Like that, dead. He was as healthy as an ox. He was in the Marine Corps. He had just gotten out of the Marines. He had gone right, right when he came to talk to us. He had came to our house to talk to us because I believe he had gone to the doctor, the VA hospital in Denver, and I believe that they had told him some news that, that there was no hope for his life, and I believe he was getting things right. And it was a confirmation to me, and God revealed and showed me in a vision and in a dream, and it was also confirmed by another man of God 
that my brother's in heaven today. I asked that doctor when he called me and told me, he says, your brother, we fought and fought. We used two crash carts on him. We did everything we could to survive this man. Uh, he was fighting. Uh, I told the doctor, I said, oh, praise God, he's gone. I says, but, sir, I want to ask you a question. Did my brother fight? Uh, he said, yes, he fought more than any man I've ever seen fight in the hospital bed. We tried everything we could. He would come back, and he would gasp for air. He could not breathe. And the whole time this doctor's telling me this on the phone, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Because I knew that my brother was calling out on the name of Jesus. I knew without a doubt that he was calling on God. And, and you know what? We're not promised tomorrow, people. We don't all get that last chance to be able to call out on God on our deathbed. But I know through confirmation, God showed it to me, that my brother is in heaven today. Amen. And I want you to know that there's mercy. God is a merciful God. He cares so much about us. He wants you to make it. He wants, you know, our lives aren't always the way we think they're going to happen. But I got news for you. God is in control. And if you let him, he'll always be in control of your life. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes for just a few moments this evening. I have much more to minister tonight, but I, I, I really feel in my spirit that God is tugging at some hearts tonight. I want you to know something very important. If you're a Christian today, if you're living for God today, then you have an enemy. His name is the devil. If you want to do something for God today, you will be opposed by the devil. If you want to live a godly life, you're going to have to resist the devil. If you want God's blessing, the devil's going to stop or try to stop it from happening. The Bible says that the devil is slick. Even in ministry, you get into ministry, the devil will attack your family. Pastor Blake served in overseas. He understands it. The devil comes against you more than ever before. You give your life to Jesus Christ, you say, man, I've never had so many problems in my life since I've gotten saved. That's because the devil has a plan to destroy you. The devil wants to work in your life. The devil wants to have uh, his hand on you at all times. He wants you to hold on to that little tiny string that you'll never let go of him. You'll always look back and say, if, if, if I fail here, I've always got somebody to fall on. That's what the devil's plan is for your life and for my life today. We have to fight the devil in our own lives. You have to fight the devil for your marriage. You have to fight the devil for your children and our ministries, uh, even stand for our church. We have to fight the devil. I tell people all the time, they say, yeah, I'm going to come visit your church. I said, if that's all you're coming for, you're better off staying right where you're at. Because right here in this place, we fight for what we believe in. We stand, if you haven't noticed by now, we stand, uh, uh, we live a righteous life, uh, and we're living for God. We're serving Him. He is number one in our life. Uh, number two is not going not gonna to take over in my life because I tell you this, God is number one. And our vision of this church is to reach, teach, and send, uh, and we stand on God's Word. 
You may be here tonight. You say, I'm not saved. I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. But tonight, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up as high as you can. Put it up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to give my life. I want to surrender to Jesus Christ. If that's you, listen, you might be a young person, a teenager in this place, and you might have mind battles. The devil's controlling your mind and tormenting you in your mind. And you have no control over that. Uh, your mama, your daddy can't help you. Your pastors can't help you. You have got to make this decision today and say, I am going to overcome these wicked thoughts that are coming, and I'm going to reject the devil and take authority over him. If that's you in this place, I want you just to lift your hand up right now. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you're struggling in your walk with God. Oh, there's no doubt in my, in my heart that, that you love God, that, you, that you're serving him, that you're here tonight. There's a reason why you're here. You love God with all your heart. But there's something in your life that's not pleasing to God. And you know without a doubt that it's something that has control over you. You don't have control over it. If that is you tonight, I want you just to lift your hand. Listen, take a bold step of faith and lift that hand up. Amen. I see these hands. How many more all over this place? Amen. I see these hands. Let me tell you something. God will help you. He will get you through it. He will help you. It takes a bold step of faith. Listen to me. I, I was, I was a, 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 many years in the church, married to Pastor Jones's daughter, sitting in the back of the church as rebellious as can be. When God spoke to me that day, and everybody thought, oh, I, he's saved. He's living for God. He's here every church service. He's involved. He's doing things. But when I raised my hand up, I didn't care who was looking at me. It didn't matter who was around me. I just knew that I heard from God that day, and I lifted my hand up. And ever since that day, God has saved me. He has delivered me. He has made me a brand new person because I have surrendered everything that I am to him. I want to give you one more opportunity. And I'm not talking about bank robbing and, 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 and stealing and lying. I'm talking about simple things in your life. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, you, you still vape. Maybe you're addicted to sleeping pills or maybe you're addicted to something in your life uh, that, that you just have to get broken free from. And listen, I want you to have that opportunity. I'm not going to embarrass you tonight. Let's all stand to our feet. I want to open up these altars. Listen, you know what makes us different than most churches in this world? It's not that we're any better, but we know how to call on God. We open this altar, and this, this altar is open. You can begin to come down tonight. I want you to get a hold of God like never before. There are some young people in, in this place tonight. I got a couple in mind. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But you're going through some resistance right now in your walk with God. You're struggling. You, you, your parents are saved. Uh, you're, they're doing well. They're living for God. You're here. You're faithful coming with them, not because you want to, but most of the time because you have to. And I want to encourage you this evening that, listen, don't ride the shirt tail of your mama and daddy into the kingdom of God because it's not going to work that way. God has a plan for your life. He loves you. He wants you to do great and mighty things for him. Your calling is different than my calling. God is going to do great things in your life. I promise you that. Let's get a hold of God as we worship tonight. Let's just open up our hearts to God and begin to worship him and praise him. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. 
For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.